uh, so we, we, we solely focus on organic. Um, we, we did a tiny little bit of paid testing um, in the second half of last year, really trying to focus on the, I suppose, the consumer proposition, the end user proposition. Let's um, get a sense of, um, is what we're communicating relevant? Um, how do we ad- attract individuals? Because ultimately that will become relevant over the long term, but also we're trying to make sure the products are appropriate. Um, so we did a little bit of that, but I think at the stage we're at, one of the things we're very mindful at is you can spend a lot of money uh, on, on um, really kind of uh, filling out the pockets of Mark Zuckerberg. Um, and uh, that's not necessarily the way to go. Um, you know, we need to be smart about how we use our marketing budget and smart about how we grow things organically. Um, so we're very, very focused. Hello and welcome to the Digital Spaceship Podcast, a marketing journal hosted by Blue Drop Studio co-founder Anna Rowinska and myself, Omar Juman. This podcast has one vision, and that is to educate, inform and inspire others who are trying to build their tech brand. Tune in and listen to us chat ideation, marketing, scaling and everything in between with up and coming entrepreneurs, stakeholders and investors in tech startups across the world. We'll be diving into the details and also hearing about the journey. So without further ado, let's jump into this week's episode. In this episode, we're speaking with Benjamin, a co-founder and CEO at Collective Benefits. Collective Benefits is a tech startup that is building the UK's first benefits platform for the self-employed. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Digital Spaceship podcast. Uh, Today, we're talking to Benjamin from Collective Benefits. Thank you so much for joining us on the show, Benjamin. Um, Give us uh, an intro on yourself and what it is you guys are doing over at Collective Benefits. Cool, will do. So uh, first of all, thanks so much for having me, Omar and Anna. Uh, Uh, So yeah, I'm the co-founder and COO of Collective Benefits, uh, and we're on a mission to build the benefits platform for the self-employed. Okay, wicked. Um, so when did you guys uh, first come about with the idea for collective benefits? You know, how did the ideation look for you guys? Was it really, you know, napkin pub type of thing? Or, you know, do you have how many co-founders? How does that work? Yeah, so uh, I'd like to say, take some credit for the idea, but I probably can't. Uh, so it really <laughs> came from my business partner, Anthony. Uh, and Anthony, um, His background was working in innovation and insurance. He ran uh, innovation for a large insurance company Mm -hmm. uh, and unfortunately had a very bad back injury. And Mm -hmm. he spent six months lying down in agony, unable to get up and down the stairs. Um, But what he he did during that time is he he started to realize uh, how exposed the self-employed were. Um, He had a number of friends who would come around to visit him. And they would sit, to, sit there and say to Anthony, you're lucky. I'm like, what do you mean I'm lucky? I'm lying on my back. I'm in pain. I can't move. And they said, well, you're getting sick pay. If this happened to me, um, I you know, wouldn't be able to pay my rent, wouldn't be able to pay my mortgage, uh, wouldn't be able to afford my childcare fees or whatever else it might be. Um, I'd be completely exposed. He said, well, don't you have insurance in place? I'm like, no. They're like, well, why don't you have that insurance in place? They said, well, you know, th- th- their response would be, uh, First of all, it's, uh, I don't know what insurance I need. Uh, mm. When I've looked at it, it's incredibly complicated. I can't find something suitable. Um, then I've got to speak to someone on the phone and they don't get back to me. So like the whole journey is a nightmare. And if they did get back to me, the amount they wanted to charge me was just extortionate. Um, sure. So 
no, I've got no protection in place at all. And so that really got Anthony thinking about the future of work. Uh, more and more people are going self-employed, whether you call them the gig economy, the on-demand economy, consultants, contractors, whatever else it may be. Uh, and those people fundamentally are exposed. Uh, and so, you know, I think Anthony's uh, ideation and journey is kind of proof that even when you're flat on your back, you can still have to get up and go. Yeah, incredible. Awesome. Um, so have you guys um, had funding up until this point? How does how does that look like? Yeah, so uh, we've been going, um, well, technically 18 months, but really, I suppose, coming up to a year in terms of full flow. Mm -hmm. uh, and we closed a, a seed round of funding earlier this year. Um, so uh, we've got a bit of runway and a bit of time to, to build things out. Awesome. Did that come in just before the COVID happened? or? Yeah, you need a, yeah. You need a little bit of luck in business. And uh, so we managed to close uh, close that round in, in late January. Um, so, yeah, we, we got lucky in that respect. Brilliant. Um, you mentioned 18 months then. So when was it that you guys first launched? Uh, so uh, we, we, start, we, we launched uh, in January of this year. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, what we're doing effectively is building a combination of regulated insurance products, which are distinct to us, mm -hmm. uh, as well as a whole digital experience, um, front end, back end, partner dashboards, all these kind of bits and pieces. Uh, and so we really had a, a six month build period in, in the second half of last year, mm -hmm. uh, where we put all those pieces together. So there was a bit of a journey there to get the, the first iteration of the product out. Cool. And how confident are you guys with that first iteration? And do you have the framework in place to, to really, I guess, take on customer feedback, implement that into, you know, the future of the product? Uh, yeah, I mean, how confident are we? Well, we were confident that it worked, yeah. uh, that you could go through from A to B and get what you needed. Um, but we learned a huge amount in a very short space of time. Um, and about things that we could do to improve that both from a, a, the user experience and from our, our partners who we work with. So we, we work directly with gig economy platforms and the different things that they needed, mm -hmm. both around the, 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 the digital product as well as the financial product. Um, and really what I think COVID has allowed us is actually a little bit of quiet time uh, to go back and fix a lot of things that could be improved. So. Mm. Uh, we were confident it worked, but we certainly knew it wasn't the right, you know, it wasn't the final finished article by any stretch. And yeah. it's always improving. Absolutely. I, I think something that, you know, we've definitely seen is that it just, this has to evolve um, and taking on all of the customer feedback at every single stage is, is just so crucial to being able to build like that amazing product and building in features that people actually want to use. And sometimes you spend like six months building, you know, two or three different things and maybe only one of them is where your users spend most of their time. So it's, it's incredible to, once you actually start seeing how people, I guess, interact within that digital product space. Um, with what you guys offer so it's it's an interesting i guess an interesting journey you guys are, are jumping on now um what would so how many people do you guys have on the team at the moment we, yeah so we're uh, we're growing a little bit um so we we, we fluctuate a bit we work a lot with self-employed people because that's yeah. our mission uh and so we're, we're anywhere at the moment between sort of 12 and 16 people at any given moment um, so half that is roughly full-time employees and the other mm -hmm. half are self-employed contractors. Awesome. And what does that internal structure look like then for the, the full-time employees? Do you guys have like in-house development, in-house marketing? How does that look like? Yeah, so we, um, we're, we're, we, have, we have structure where required and uh, not so much structure that stuff doesn't get done. Mm 
Mm-hmm. Uh, so we're broadly split into uh, growth, which is accomplished sales and marketing, uh, product and engineering, uh, operations, uh, and then um, some financial product work as well. Um, and uh, across all of those, um, we we have all a certain amount of things which we have to have in place. We're a regulated business, so there's a certain amount of yeah. CPD that people are required to do each each uh, each year. Um, but we try to give the team opportunities to to learn and develop, and also to share what they're doing. So we do a regular lunch and learn with the team as well. Awesome. How did you find that experience of building out those different teams? Then where did you guys um, look for recruitment and I guess, when did you start? When did it turn from just being a couple co-founders into like actually building that internal culture and team? Yeah, so uh, initially where we were kind of three people for most of last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then really come January, we started building out the team overall. Um, it's a really interesting question is I think in terms of what do you need at the stage of business we're at? Mm-hmm. Um, do you need very seasoned, experienced people or do you need a combination of of people who are hungry and um, have a lot of drive and passion and commitment. And um, yeah, the reality is we, we all need to do things and wear different hats at the stage of business we're at. So, so we look for, I think, high levels of passion and commitment. We look mm-hmm. for very good generalists, um, mm-hmm. except where we particularly need specialists. So in terms of financial product, we need people with actuarial training, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Um, engineering, obviously, we need highly talented engineers. Um, but really, we're looking for people who can adapt and just take on take on a whole load of different stuff that's thrown at them. Awesome. Um, I think you know what would be really interesting to to dive into then is uh, I know you guys spent um, the second half of last year really looking at the the product and, and developing that out. But um, with of course checking out your your digital presence and footprint all online, you know it looks really really well rounded. It's it's a really nicely designed um product and brand as well um and especially you know the activity you guys have across the the whole digital landscape so when when did you guys actually sit down and say okay we need to make sure the the visual identity of this project um needs to look as good as it does now i guess you know when did you start that conversation and and how much of an impact on on your growth do you think that's had um, so no, uh, really, really early on. Um, mm. So when I said there were three of us from the beginning of, of last year, it was myself and Anthony, uh, and the first person we brought in was a, a head of product mm-hmm. uh, to really focus on both the uh, brand identity as well as the user experience and digital presence. Um, we've, uh, you know, Dan, who leads that, has been fantastic throughout. Yeah, uh, we work with a very talented uh, couple of designers called Andrew and Marta. Um, who have just been on it from the beginning. We, you know, we spent a lot of time looking at other, other similar sites and what we liked and what we didn't like about them and their journeys and their experiences, uh, as well as analogous products and services, which we thought would appeal to our audience. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we, we continue to iterate and work our way through that. So you know, version one was good, uh, version two was better, and uh, you know, we're, we're just about to uh, roll out quite a big refresh. Uh, oh, cool. Um, just cleaning it all up, making it a bit tighter, a bit neater. Um, but you know what we're trying to do is, is present something which is, I think, simple and clear to the, to the user. Yeah. Because um, we're dealing with quite complicated products. We, you know, we, we, we're dealing with insurance products, which are around sick pay. Um, so making sure people really understand the benefits of those in a clean and simple fashion. Um, and they understand how to use them and how to, you know, it is really important to us. Absolutely. Right. 
So diving even deeper in that branding space, um, of course, there's, you know, there's so many things that go into a, the conversation around branding, messaging and tone of voice being one of them. And obviously that directly influences uh, the brand identity. So how things speak versus how they look. So in terms of the tone of voice and brand values, did you did you guys um, pick up this conversation very early on or was that just initially looking at designing something visual that you felt like represents you well and then going back to that messaging approach and, and tone of voice approach? Um, I, we really did, the, did that kind of, I suppose, an initial brand value tone of voice um, messaging playbook up front from quite early on. Um, it wasn't a brilliant piece of work, I'm not going to lie. You know, none of us were our, our brand uh, and communication experts at, at that stage within the team, but we really did, you know, but we did think about it. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and partly on my side, you know, I work in operations, I deal with some of the quite fundamentally boring stuff that keeps me <laughs> legal, finance, regulation, all that kind of stuff. But, but my background was I spent six years working for Virgin. Um, so where brand and tone of voice is, is central to, to the success of that, that, that business and that organization. So um, I had a good sense of, of its importance. Um, and so we prioritized that early on. Um, it's something we're currently about to review again. Like mm-hmm. We feel like it served us well to a, to a certain point, but it now needs uh, a fresh pair of eyes and then a slightly more expert pair of eyes. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the early branding in very often it's uh, definitely like the first version. So it's slightly different to what and, and how a company looks later. But in terms of the first version of brand identity, then the logo and, and color scheme. So if you compare the first version to what you guys have now before the refresh, has that changed at all? Or is that still the first version? of? Yeah, no, we, we, we've stuck with that, that elements of the identity. What we've done is just try to tighten things up around that, mm-hmm. uh, improve consistency, um, just make things clearer, more visual where appropriate. Um, and, and just simplify a lot of the copy. So where we were saying things in 100 words, can we get this down to 10 or 15 words? Yeah. Um, yeah, we, we work on the basis that less is more, um, but it needs to be clear and it needs to be accurate. Mm-hmm. Great. Yeah, absolutely. And um, so you mentioned you guys are looking to refresh uh, that a little bit now. Um, so is that going to be a revolution or an evolution of what we currently can see? Uh, it, it's very much an evolution rather than, than a revolution. Um, you know, we're, we're constantly uh, iterating and improving and trying to get to something which is pixel perfect mm-hmm. um, and, and trying to set that bar higher and higher each time. Um, you know, I think if that there is, I think, too much of a tendency to try and be a little bit too scrappy, um, you know, and what, what you know, when we think about what it is we're trying to communicate, we're asking people to trust us. You know, insurance mm-hmm. in particular is built high on high levels of trust. And so scrappiness um, doesn't necessarily engender that trust. So um, we're always trying to set the bar higher and push it higher. Mm. Incredible, yeah. And um, in terms of how that sort of translates into social media and creative content, so um you guys have one main channel that you use to communicate with the audience or is that split between a variety how does that work yeah so we we mainly focus on on linkedin uh, above anything else um our, our route to market is to to sell our products and services to gig economy platforms and on and uh, large contractor work workforces um to provide to the individuals uh, who who they who they work with so 
um, whether or not that's you know working with some of the ride hailing platforms, some of the delivery and logistic platforms, etc. So um, we're very much focused on B two B sales, and we find that LinkedIn is really the the best place to to do that. Interesting, and. Um, Okay, so if LinkedIn is where I guess the majority of your your target audience lies at the moment, um, do you have any other sort of paid activity running across any of the other channels, or is it specifically, I guess, a mixture of organic and paid on LinkedIn at the moment? Uh, so we, we we solely focus on organic. Mm. Um, we we did a tiny little bit of paid testing um, in the second half of last year, really trying to focus on the. I suppose the consumer proposition, the end user proposition, yeah. um, let's get a sense of um, is what we're communicating relevant? Um, how do we ad attract individuals? Because ultimately that will become relevant over the long term, but also we're trying to make sure the products are appropriate. Um, so we did a little bit of that, but I think at the stage we're at, one of the things we're very mindful at is you can spend a lot of money uh, yeah. on, on um, really kind of uh, filling out the pockets of Mark Zuckerberg. <laughs> um, and uh, that's not necessarily the way to go. Mm -hmm. um, you know, we need to be smart about how we use our marketing budget and smart about how we grow things organically. Um, so we're very, very focused on that. Yeah, definitely. And interestingly, so you, you said that you work with a lot of uh, freelancers as and when you need it. So are these types of marketing activities, are they you know, essentially the content that you create for your organic activities? Um, are they handled in-house or is that with one of your partners? Um, so uh, in terms of some communication strategy, we do most of the work in-house. Um, we do and have worked with a number of uh, freelance writers and, and, and journalists to, to tell their story where appropriate or to help tell our story where appropriate. Okay, cool. Um, you know, we think it's important you know, to A, communicate what we're doing, but also for people who uh, really work, you know, who are self-employed, who have the, the, the challenges which we're aware that they have to tell their own individual stories around mm -hmm. that. So we do a little bit of both. Okay, and, and to sort of summarize that section then, so the most, I guess, or the biggest success you guys have seen in terms of the, the digital marketing front is definitely leveraging LinkedIn and organic content and trying to reach people through that. Yeah, and look, I think um, there will come a point when we might switch gears a little bit and move more mm. to paid. Um, but really what we need to build up, is, I think, is enough um, brand authority um, yeah. that well. Uh, and so part, so that's really what we're focused on at the moment. Okay. Awesome. Um, so moving on then, so scaling um, and I guess talking about what what the next steps are for you guys. So, so how does... You know, how do you guys approach scaling? Um, I guess you've just mentioned, you know, you really want to build that brand authority before you might start investing into paid or or largely scaling up your operations. Um, but yeah, what does that look like to you guys at the moment? Yeah, it's a it's a fine balance. You know, we we need to be you know, as a as a startup, we're very mindful of our of our uh, burn rate uh, mm -hmm. and making sure that we give ourselves the, the best chance to succeed. So. Um, yes, we need to spend because you need to, you know, you need to spend to grow, but you don't want to spend at such a rate that you're going to run out of runway very quickly. Absolutely. Um, so part of that is how we think a little bit about resourcing. You know, we want people out operating at capacity. We don't want we don't want people operating at, at under capacity. Mm -hmm. um, and so we we think carefully about what is the resource we need within the team to deliver over the next six months, and making sure that is in place. 
in reality at the stage we're at and as, as growth continues we're probably continually redoing the kind of the org structure of the organization every six months mm-hmm. uh, so we, we keep that in mind and we try to forward plan effectively what does the next six months look like what do we need um so that's how we think about about the team uh, and i think that similarly works across just how we think about uh, you know how how we build out our, our customers you know whether that's through marketing or, or otherwise you know, we, we tend to try and think, think six months down the road mm-hmm. um, and just try and keep it very, very tight. Um, it's very easy to plan out five, 10 years in advance and have very, very big visions. Um, but if you don't do the small things well and you don't make each individual step right, you're never going to get there. And we're just very, very focused on what are the next steps to get us to where we need to be. So what does the roadmap look like for Collective moving forward? Yeah, I think I think we are um, really, really focused on improving our existing financial product. So um, we started off with uh, a, a product which provided sick pay cover, um, family leave, compassionate cover. There were certain tweaks and changes and nuances in that, which uh, which we now realise are important in terms of how that product works. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we're just about to roll that out. Um, so we think we're providing something which is is new and improved. And um, yeah, broadly, when we think about the the financial safety net for self-employed people, yes, we want to provide that underlying insurance protection layer, um, but we also want to start thinking longer term around some elements around savings, what savings means for this group of people, um, and you know, whether or not that's pensions or something different, that's something which we're, we're going to start thinking through. Um, but more broadly, it's like, what does genuine financial wellness mean? Uh, for this group, uh, and that's something which we're starting to starting to piece together and put together. Um, there's a lot of work to be done on that side. Similarly, there's a lot of work to be done on the digital product side, and really providing a a platform which provides our our partners, the gig economy platforms, with the insight and information that they need to really attract, engage, and retain their their, their gig workers. So, diving into your journey, then uh, having looked at this. Uh... I guess startup journey over the past eighteen months. Um, what what main bits of advice could you give to the audience that you think you know definitely look out for this, or or maybe be just very aware that this exists type of thing for anyone looking to start their own thing or already in there? Yeah, um, I think everyone comes at it with an individual experience and individual perspective. Mm. Um, I. I I personally, like, it's a personal thing. I don't subscribe to the kind of the the, the label or of entrepreneurship or the weight that that can bring around, you know, bring around your shoulders. Mm-hmm. Um, I think um, some people wear it like a badge of honor, and other people wear it like you know, it's drowning them out. You know, what are we trying to do? We're trying to build a socially purposeful business that makes a difference for people. Um, but it's a business, and so that requires, you know, for, on our side, thinking a lot about structure. Uh, a lot about the steps that we need to take there, um, doing good planning um, and just methodically working our way through things um, as opposed to um, working relentlessly every single hour, jumping from one thing. You know, you, you can see elements of that sometimes when I when I hear people talk about the journey that they've been on. Um, and we've just tried to be very structured about things. And so I think it's a personality thing. It depends on who you are and your approach to things and, and also the, the products and services that you're selling. Yeah. Um, but the journey is going to be a long one. You know, this is not going to be an overnight success. And so you need to go, you know, to my mind, you know, we approach it with that patience and that rigor. Um, that's really important.
important to us as you know the culture we're trying to build and the organization we want to be um it's a little bit like slow and steady wins a race for us to some extent um that said there are moments when it's stressful uh you know and there are moments when things aren't quite going as you, you'd hoped or planned and then there are things you can't forecast like covid um, mm -hmm. and you can't be coming you get hit by a large black swan like that so um the journey is never going to be an easy one um so you've got to be i think passionate and committed and and you know just give it your best shot but that's all you can do and um you know if you if you give it everything and you focus and you you know hopefully that will be rewarded but know that it's more likely than not that it won't be so a huge thank you to collective benefits for speaking to us you can find them online at collectivebenefits.com or follow them on twitter at underscore collective uk You're listening to the Digital Spaceship Podcast, a marketing journal by Blue Drop Studio, a digital marketing and creative content agency based in London, UK. We're on a mission to grow the tech brands of tomorrow with creative content and social media advertising. Check us out on LinkedIn and bluedropstudio.com or hit us up on social at HeyBlueDrop on Instagram, Facebook or Twitter. Your hosts are at Anna Rowinska and at Omar K. Juman. If you want to talk about digital marketing for your brand, drop us a line at hello at bluedropstudio.com. Thanks so much for listening and we'll see you in the next episode.